Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to the Isaiah chapters here. This is going to be Isaiah chapter 49. Uh, I'm going to read a little heading first or a little narrative before we get started. Monty Nyman said that chapter 49 was the most important chapter in Isaiah to the Latter-day Saints because it foretells the mission of the Latter-day Saints and the destiny of the land of America. This chapter needs to be studied diligently by every member of the church. This chapter is a most remarkable prophecy one intended by the spirit of revelation to embrace multiple fulfillments. The Book of Mormon version of the prophecy, which contains significant textual restorations, greatly enhances our understanding of Isaiah's message and the workings of the spirit of prophecy. The text is a marvelous messianic prophecy, as well as a detailed description of Joseph Smith and the story of the Latter-day Restoration. It can also be properly argued that this prophecy applies to Isaiah, or that it is a description of major events in the history of the nation of Israel. Such interpretations are not inappropriate, as long as they do not obscure its greater meaning as it applies to Christ and Joseph Smith. Since Nephi lived a considerable time before the coming of Christ, it was appropriate that he view this prophecy primarily as it applied to the coming of the Savior. Since we live in a considerable time after Christ's mortal ministry, it is appropriate that we see this prophecy primarily as it applies to events of our day. Isaiah's detailed knowledge of the Latter-day Restoration, the role of Joseph Smith in the coming forth of the Book of Mormon, sustained this conclusion. The Word of God is most durable. We will here interpret the prophecy as it applies to the prophet Joseph Smith, for such was the pattern of our Lord in the interpretation of Isaiah he gave among the Nephites. And that's in Third Nephi 21. Alrighty, verse 1. The song of the Lord's servant is verses 1 through 7. And again, hearken, O ye house of Israel, and all ye that are broken off and are driven out because of the wickedness of the pastors of my people. Yea, all ye that are broken off that are scattered abroad who are of my people, O house of Israel. Listen, O isles, unto me. And hearken, ye people, from far, the Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. This is a significant textual restoration, the first part of the chapter of the verse that I read. It establishes that through the prophet, though the prophet is addressing all the house of Israel, his message is more especially for that part of Israel that had been scattered, not through their own wickedness, but because of the corruption of the church in the old world. It was this corruption of the church and the temple priesthood that caused Lehi and his family to flee. Wickedness in the house of Israel caused the Lord to transplant various branches of the house of Israel throughout the world. That was by Millet and McConkie. Verse 2, And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword, in the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, and made me a polished shaft in his quiver hath he hid me. Those called to establish the kingdom of God on earth in this, la- in this last great gospel dispensation were the literal seed of Abraham, and as such were lawful heirs to the priesthood whose lineage was preserved by the hand of God for this very purpose. The Lord's hiding Israel in the shadow of his hand is clarified in the Doctrine and Covenants where the Lord declares that the priesthood holders of this last dispensation are lawful heirs according to the flesh, in other words, literal descendants of Ephraim, and have been hid from the world with Christ in God. Therefore, thus saith the Lord unto you, this is in section 86, with whom the priesthood hath continued through the lineage of your fathers, for ye are lawful heirs according to the flesh, and have been hid from the world with Christ in God. The description of priesthood bearers as lawful heirs according to the flesh is a reference to the covenant which the Lord made with Abraham that all nations of the earth would be blessed through the literal seed of his body who would bear the ministry and the priesthood. 
Latter-day Israel is the literal seed of Abraham. The world did not know where scattered Israel was, but the Lord knew and had concealed them in his protective hand. We will become fit to serve when he says that we will be in his quiver. The prophet Joseph Smith referred to this prophecy in relation to himself. I am like a huge rough stone rolling down a high mountain, and the only polishing I get is when some corner gets rubbed off by coming in contact with something else, striking with accelerated force against religious bigotry, priestcraft, corrupt men and women, all hell knocking off a corner here and a corner there. Thus I will become a smooth and polished shaft in the quiver of the Almighty. Verse 3, And said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. The servant, represented in this verse, is the corporate personality of the covenant people. The church is the servant of the Lord. Verse 4, Then I said, I have labored in vain, I have spent my strength for naught, and in vain, yet surely my judgment is with the Lord, and my work with my God. The servant laments that no one has listened to him, like many others called to preside. Does that sound familiar? Verse 5, And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb, that I should be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him, though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Joseph Smith said, Every man who has a calling to minister to the inhabitants of the world was ordained to that very purpose in the grand council of heaven before this world was. This is the underlying principle being discussed. Those born into the house of Israel received that lineage by the principle of foreordination, and so were all the prophets called to preach to them. Certainly, this applies to Israel, Isaiah, Jesus, Joseph Smith, etc. We should also include Jeremiah, for the word of the Lord to Jeremiah was, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. We can also uh, apply this to us, that we were foreordained to the various callings that we have. Verse 6, And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. The gathering of Israel, as momentous as that is, appears to be a small matter or a light thing when compared to the taking of the light of the gospel to the Gentiles. The servant is destined to bless the whole earth, not just Israel. Section 86 of the Doctrine and Covenants was revealed to Joseph Smith in December of 1832, only two and a half years after the organization of the church. It is one of the many revelations that grew out of the prophet's study of the Bible. Perhaps Joseph had never considered the fact that he might have been mentioned in Scripture by biblical prophets. Nonetheless, he certainly knew by this time that the infant Latter-day Church was the kingdom of God and that its continued success was sure. Doctrine and Covenants 86 made known yet other truths that brought greater emphasis to the mission of the prophet in his work. Among other things, it brought to light the fact that Joseph Smith and his fellow workers of the lineage of ancient Joseph were the fulfillment of the great revelation recorded in Isaiah 49. It seems, in fact, reasonable to conclude that the Israel mentioned in Isaiah's prophecy refers to the specific tribe that was to preside in the last days, the tribe of Ephraim. At the head of that tribe and presiding under the Lord's direction over Latter-day Israel stands the prophet Joseph Smith. Isaiah 49 speaks of him and of the church that was restored through his service. A few brief comments regarding some key phrases in Isaiah's words will enable us to understand the prophecy and its fulfillment. Called me from the womb, from the days of the patriarchs, ancient Joseph and his descendants had been singled out to stand at the head of the house of Israel. This was their foreordained calling. An important part of that calling included the challenge to be saviors of their brethren of Israel, just as their forefather Joseph had been a temporal savior in ancient times. Jeremiah prophesied concerning Ephraim's role in the latter-day gathering. As the presiding tribe, it would be he who would announce to all that the time of the gathering and return had come. 
a polished shaft in his quiver. Joseph Smith himself provided an interpretation that may show the fulfillment of this scripture. This was mentioned previously. I am like a huge rough stone rolling down from a a high mountain and the only polishing I get and so on. I think we got the idea. Thus Joseph Smith viewed himself as a polished shaft in the Lord's quiver, perhaps in direct fulfillment of Isaiah's words. As has been discussed already, it was the commission of the birthright children of Joseph to bring about the gathering of Israel in the last days. Ephraim's leader, Joseph Smith, was the one to whom the keys of the gathering were restored, and it will be under the authority of those keys that the gathering will continue. Jeremiah explained that it would be the watchman upon the Mount Ephraim that would cry, Arise ye, let us go up to Zion unto the Lord our God. In modern revelation, the Lord has affirmed that they who are in the north countries will return and receive their blessings under the hand of the children of Ephraim. Today it is, with extremely few exceptions, the children of Ephraim and his brother Manasseh, who constitute the Lord's church, who are taking the gospel message to the remnant, to the scattered remnants of Israel, and who thus are gathering their brethren. A light to the Gentiles. Nephi and others taught how the great blessings of the last days would be made available not only to the house of Israel, but to the Gentiles as well. Indeed, the gospel is to be taken by Ephraim and his brethren in the dispensation of the fullness of times to all people. Once again, the tribe of Ephraim and Joseph Smith stand out as the main participants in this work. In the fullest sense, Jesus Christ is the light, not only to the Gentiles, but to all nations. The church today has a commission to bear his message, thus it reflects his light. Section 86 clarifies Isaiah's prophecy and identifies Joseph Smith and his co-workers of the tribes of Joseph, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as the fulfillment of these words from Isaiah. Isaiah. These are they with whom the priesthood hath continued through the lineage of their fathers, for they are lawful heirs according to the flesh, and have been hid from the world with Christ in God. Having been foreordained long ago to this calling, and having inherited it through the lineal descent, Ephraim's children now are no longer hid from the world in the shadow of the Lord's hand, but are as the forefront or at the forefront of the Lord's work in the last days, to restore scattered Israel to the covenant blessings and to bring the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. The Lord concluded his revelation to Joseph and the church, therefore blessed are ye if ye continue in my goodness a light unto the, unto the Gentiles, and through this priesthood a Savior unto my people Israel. That was by Millet and Jackson. Jewish theology maintains that this prophecy of the suffering servant depicts the Jewish nation, but taken together, the words Isaiah uses to describe this helper of Israel in the latter days applies only to two beings, the Messiah and the prophet Joseph Smith. Nephi and Lehi seem to know not only that Isaiah intended to prophesy of Jesus and Joseph Smith, but also that the latter-day restoration of the gospel would help bring about the final redemption of Israel. That these characteristics refer primarily to the Savior is probably obvious to many Christians, but Jesus, but Joseph Smith also fits many of the qualifications of that special servant. After all, every true prophet is a type, a foreshadowing, or a symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was by Andrew Skinner. Verse 7, Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful. Now, verses 8 through 12 is Israel's return in the last days. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee. The restoration began with Joseph Smith. O isles of the sea, and in a day of salvation, meridian of time and last days, have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee and give thee my servant for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages, to restore the land. Israel is to return to their inheritance. 
Verse 9, that thou mayest say to the prisoners, go forth to them that sit in darkness, show yourselves that ye, that shall feed in the ways, and their pastures shall be in all high places. Jeffrey R. Holland said, Christ brought freedom to mortal beings imprisoned by ignorance, sin, apostasy, and death. He also brought deliverance to those on the other side of the veil who had not heard the gospel but would receive it in their spirit prison. Peter taught this clearly, and the whole of section 138 of the Doctrine and Covenants is devoted to that glorious doctrine. On both sides of the veil, the captives rejoice and praise their God as Christ throws wide the prison doors. Verse 10, They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them, for he that hath mercy on them shall lead them. Even by the springs of water or revelation shall he guide them. Wilford Woodruff said, If the elders of Israel had the vision of their minds open to see Zion in her beauty and glory, they would have no time to sin or do evil. But they would rise up in the strength of the Lord, God of Israel, and accomplish all that he requires at their hands. Zion is yet in her weakness, but the little ones shall become thousands, and the small one a great nation. We talk of the future and of the promises of God to us. They are worthy to be talked of, worthy to be lived for, and to rejoice over, because they are true. I have an, anxi an anxiety, a strong desire to see the people of the Latter-day Saints, the inhabitants of Zion, rise up and put on their strength. I desire to see them increase in the knowledge of the truth, in faith and good works, and in the knowledge of the things of the kingdom of God. Verse 11, And I will make all my mountains away, and my highways shall be exalted. In other words, the gathering. Verse 12, And then, O house of Israel, behold, these shall come from far, and lo, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinim. Sinim stands for distant lands. Generally, in the opinion of most scholars, it strictly signifies China. Okay, verses 13 to 21, the Lord comforts his returning children. Verse 13, Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, for the feet of those who are in the east shall be established and break forth into singing, O mountains, for they shall be smitten no more. For the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. Both the heavens and the earth will rejoice at the gathering of Israel. Elder Holland said, This poetic passage provides yet another reminder of Christ's saving role, that of protective, redeeming parent of Zion's children. He comforts his people and shows mercy when they are afflicted as, are, as any loving father or mother would toward a child. But as Nephi here reminds us through Isaiah, much more than any mortal father and mother could do, although a, mo a mother may forget her sucking child, as unlikely as any parent might think that could be, Christ will not forget the children as he redeemed he has redeemed or the covenant he has made with them for salvation in Zion. The painful reminders of that watch care and covenant are the marks of the Roman nails graven upon the palms of his hands assigned to his disciples in the old world, his Nephite congregation in the new world, and to us in Latter-day Zion that he is the savior of the world and was wounded in the house of his friends. Wilford Woodruff said, The Lord is going to comfort Zion. He is going to have mercy upon her afflicted ones. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child? Saith the Lord, Yea, she may forget, but I will not forget thee. Behold, I have, graven, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. This refers to the building up of Zion in the last days, the gathering together of the people preparatory to the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 14, But behold, Zion hath said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me, but he will show that he hath not. For can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee, O house of Israel. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Refers to the uh, palms of his hands refers to the crucifixion of Christ, in which nails pierced his hands and left scars that remained after his resurrection. 
Also, the clause is an allusion to the ancient practice of tattooing the palm with a symbol of the temple or some other sacred emblem to show devotion so that it might serve as a reminder of one's commitment. This is an idiomatic and graphic way for the Lord to say, You are constantly before me. I have not forgotten my covenant with you. Verse 17, Thy children shall make haste against thy destroyers, and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. In the days when Israel shall be restored to her former blessings, the descendants of ancient Israel will quickly turn again against their ancient enemies. Those who conquered and wasted Israel will depart. Wilford Woodruff said, This Zion of the Lord in all its beauty, power, and, and glory is engraven upon the hands of Almighty God, and it is before his face continually. His decrees are set, and no man can turn, can turn them aside. There never was a dispensation on the earth when prophets and apostles, the inspiration, revelation, and power of God, the holy priesthood, and the keys of the kingdom were needed more than they are in this generation. There never has been a dispensation when the friends of God and the righteousness among the children of men needed more faith in the promises and prophecies than they do today. And there certainly never has been a generation of people on the earth that has had a greater work to perform than and the inhabitants of the earth in the latter days. That is one reason why this church and kingdom has progressed from its commencement until today. In the midst of all the opposition, oppression, and warfare which have been waged against it by men inspired by the evil one, if this had not been the dispensation of the fullness of times, the dispensation in which God had declared that he will establish his kingdom on the earth never more to be thrown down, the inhabitants of the earth would have been enabled to overcome the kingdom and Zion of God in this as well as any other former dispensation. But the set time had, has come to favor Zion, and the Lord Almighty has decreed in the heavens that every weapon formed against her shall be broken. What a comfort that is. Verse 18, Lift up thine eyes round about, and behold, all these gather themselves together, and they shall come to thee. And as I live, saith the Lord, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them, with them all, as with an ornament, and bind them on thee as a bride doeth. In other words, preparation for the marriage, the marriage of the Lamb of God. For thy waste and thy desolate places, and the land of thy destruction, shall even now be too narrow by reason of the inhabitants, and they, sh and they that swallowed thee up shall be far away. This gathering of Israel through the aid of foreign nations is taking place today. Since the church was restored in 1830, the Jewish population in the Holy Land has grown from 7,000 to over 3 million people. That was uh, This was back in 1982, so it's a lot more now. Whereas in 1830, only one out of 500 Jews resided in Palestine. One out of five now live in the modern state of Israel. Verse 20, The children which thou, have, which thou shalt have, after thou hast lost the first, shall again in thine ears say, The place is too straight for me, or too tight, or too narrow. Give place to me that I may dwell. The church has a difficult time keeping up with the demand for chapels and leadership because of its many converts. Verse 21, Then shalt thou, Zion, say in thine heart, Who hath begotten me these? Seeing I have lost my children, and am desolate, a captive, and removing to and fro, and who hath brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. These, these, where have they been? All will be surprised at the great number of, of the gathering hosts of Israel. The Lord will be victorious in numbers, as in all things. In other words, where in the world did all these people come from? Verses 22 to 26, Gentiles shall assist returning Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles, non-Jews, church members, and set up my standard to the people, and they shall bring my, thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. President Kimball said, The brighter day has dawned, the scattering has been accomplished, the gathering is in process. May the Lord bless us all as we become nursing fathers and mothers unto our Lamanite brethren and hasten the fulfillment of the great promises made to them. 
Verse 23, And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and thy queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their face towards the, toward the earth, and lick up the dust of thy feet. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. The kings and queens may well be the righteous men and women who have entered into the covenants of the fullness of the priesthood in the temple. Such persons will have their confidence wax strong in the presence of God, for they will have no unresolved sins to cause them to be ashamed. That was by uh, Hoyt Brewster. Verse 24, Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captives delivered? But thus saith the Lord, Even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. Or the, For the mighty God shall deliver his covenant people. For thus saith the Lord, I will contend with them that contendeth with thee, and I will save thy children. And I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh. They shall be drunken with their own blood, as with sweet wine. And all flesh shall know that I, am, I the Lord, am thy Savior, and thy Redeemer, the mighty one of Israel, or the mighty one of Jacob. In other words, your enemies will turn on each other. All right, so that's the end of the chapter. Um, in the Book of Mormon version of the same chapter, I have the interpretation of chapter 49, if you wanted to read that. Um, it's uh, also in Second in First Nephi chapter 22. Uh, it gives the interpretation of the, uh, of the chapter, of the verses that we've just read in Isaiah. So if you want to do that, uh, go for it.